0: You found us. This is the VoiceOver Gurus Podcast. Welcome.
1: Uh, welcome back to another episode of the VoiceOver Gurus Podcast. Uh, hi, Alyssa. How are you today? I am well, Linda. How are you? Doing good. It's a Monday for us. So, uh, yeah, starting off the week strong, starting oh, no. off the week fresh. With work, which is always exciting. Um, Last week, last Thursday night, I had... Do you remember you used to come to the improv classes, Alyssa, years ago? Yeah, when I first... Of course I do. Right. So I do here at the studio, it is not a class, it's more of a workout, and we had one Thursday night, which was very nice. Um, And, you know, everybody gets a chance to express themselves, and you always hear on all the voiceover podcasts, people talk about how important improv is for performance and we we're lucky enough today to have a gentleman who actually has his own company and everything that focuses on improv from Greenlight Improv. Hello to Nathan Mins.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: So this is really cool because you you have like you you do a lot, you know, through your company here. Just tell us about your company a bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Greenlight Improv uh, uses improv comedy as a tool to develop entrepreneurship and communication skills. So we are typically not teaching pure improv. There are many groups that are fantastic at doing that. So we use improv purely as a tool. So improv is useful to the extent that it helps us develop entrepreneurship and communication skills. We do that through workshops, keynotes, and coaching. The vast majority are workshops. Um, and that tends to be about five to 200 people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So it, it can vary quite a bit. I would say average, though, is like 30 to 50. So um, that, that's the gist of the company. It's using improv comedy as a tool to develop those skills.
1: So are these people, everybody's online when you have like 50 people?
2: No, actually, the vast majority of our workshops are in person There are some that are online, but vast majority are in person. And so how it typically works is that someone that has a group will bring us in. So it's uncommon that we have a workshop where someone can just walk in and say, I'd like to learn improv. Mm -hmm. It's usually a manager that signs up.
0: I was gonna say from my understanding, and this is really, really cool to me, from, from the seat that I sit in, I'm a lifelong actor. And I've always said that, you know, um, like I've encouraged lawyers, doctors, anyone who speaks, a teacher, um, anyone who speaks that, you know, improv skills are really, really important because in life you're, on, you're in the moment. Yeah. And that's where success happens is in that moment. And so the sense I'm getting is probably you get called in by a lot of corporations that are either looking for um, tools for sales staff or um, kind of um, collaborative, you know, team building within the, the company or product launching and things like that. So that's really awesome to me. I love that perspective.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That is, it's very common. Most common things we get called in for are my group isn't connected as much as I think they could be. They're not communicating very well. That could be on the listening side or the presenting side. They don't understand the entrepreneurial process, that problem solving process, or even like you mentioned, we want stronger, more adaptable, confident leaders. And the solution that we use is improv to do that. Um, Yes. So
1: what do you you, like? What is what's a typical workout like? Yeah,
2: typical workshop. um, It typically starts about 10 minutes of a facilitator talking and the facilitator. The the gist of that first 10 minutes is don't be scared. We have all done this every day of our lives. It's going to be okay." (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we get into uh, about half the time is partner exercises and about half the time is groups of about four to six. So uh, as an example of an exercise that we do, uh, and this is a, a very common one, is I say, plan me a birthday party. My birthday's coming up in March. So we have 11 months until my birthday. <laughs> and all you have to do is plan me a party, but, uh The second person that talks and every time someone talks after you start your sentence with yes, but so you say, "Um, hey, let's let's go to the moon for Nathan's birthday party. And then the next person says, yes, but I'm afraid of space. Yes, but, (laughs) you know, and you just (laughs) sort of keep going through it. Um, You do that. They find typically that it's very difficult, but that is typically comfortable as well. Yeah, and We do the same thing, but yes, and, and people find it's very collaborative. And then we talk about how can we use this yes, and mindset in other areas of our life, other than being on stage planning me a birthday party.
0: <laughs> that's, that's actually really, really cool. And in, a, in the beginning of that, you made such a good point, because even with our actors, the notion of improv, right or or the notion of just being off the cuff, let's call it, is yep. so scary, but it's like I'm improving right now. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to say as I'm saying it and you never know what you're gonna be saying as you're saying it and and all of life is a response to environment, emotions and 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 you know the the people that you're with. And it's funny when you put this word improv in front of it, people are like, oh,
1: <gasps> <gasps> hmm. <laughs> well, I think there's also that uh, expectation that you have to be funny and yeah. that you have to be like, you're on whose line is it anyway? Because that's usually everybody's like relation, you know, what they related to. And they go, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. I can't get up in front of people and be funny. And I'm like, it's not about being funny, you know, <laughs> but I think that's where a lot of the fear comes from. They think they're not going to be entertaining In some way, at least that's the feedback I get from people that start off here.
2: Yeah, and I'll say the vast majority of the time, um, very often I'm I'm talking to entrepreneurship groups um, or even just groups that are working on their communication skills. And what I typically tell them is that the idea that people have in their mind about improv is that people go on stage, they tell jokes, and then people laugh. And it's great. And then when people actually perform improv themselves, they try to use that mental model to perform. And when you do that, a couple things happen. First, uh, you realize that telling jokes is really hard. And that's why we have a whole nother <laughs> medium called stand up to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> making jokes, writing them on the spot is really hard. Once you find that out, the immediately the second thing you find out is that it's so hard that you did a poor job and that no one laughed and then not only did no one laugh everyone is waiting for you to say the next thing and everyone in the audience has to sit through this uncomfortable silence (laughs) knowing that you told a joke but it didn't land and so we use this model to, to describe like the process of Anyone starting a new venture, uh, new anything is this, uh, you know, we, we don't go out there and just burn the boats immediately. Yeah. We go out, test something out, just like we do on improv on stage. And then we listen to our customers, listen to the market, see what's happening, just like we do in improv where we're listening for the audience's reaction. And then we keep building on what works. Um, Mm -hmm. When the audience laughs, we say, Oh, that's a button that they like. Maybe we should double down on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that iterative process is very different from, I think I want to tell a joke, let me tell it. And I hope it works. I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. (laughs) If it doesn't work, I'll be. (laughs) It's
0: a good analogy. So I like that analogy a lot. for for business and you know for or but beyond business it's like um you know i can even apply it to to our students in that like they'll find something that works some genre some read some voice some character that's working for them and then they go put all their eggs in that basket meanwhile there's this landscape That's Mm -hmm. so huge that if they would take the time to be open to more free exploration, like improv provides, they would find just, you know, a vast resource inside themselves to make something even bigger than they believe themselves to be. So it's, I I like that analogy a lot.
2: Yeah. And and I I have a lot of friends too that that do a lot of voiceover work, Um, whether they're improvisers or not improvisers. And sometimes they they say, maybe I should just quit my job that I've had for 30 years and try to do voiceover. Um, and I think that they expect that it will be very easy to do. And that,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and I think that's why they think that it is a good move to burn all the boats. But I think that everything that we talked about, about testing the process, iterating, applies to starting in voiceover as well, where yeah. you test it out, see what's working, you know, uh, and keep exploring.
1: It's a process. It's a process. Yeah. Well, anybody listening to this show would know how difficult it is to do voices, voiceover and become an actual successful working voiceover actor as well. Now, do you, you said that you do work with some actors in certain situations?
2: Sometimes, but I would say the vast majority um, are non-actors. These are if if there are actors, they tend to be people that happen to be in a workshop with other non actors.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: So I'm doing like a workshop with, uh, fifty or a hundred hospital executives, and someone used to be in theater.
0: Oh, gotcha. Well, there's always there's always the someone that used to be in theater. No matter where you go, I love that person. Yeah because they're so happy when they get a moment to be back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: We we also do um like monthly public workshops in Columbus, Ohio. And there quite often there will be people that are actors that just want to do some more coached improv or very often people that play dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons that want to do some improv. <laughs> We were just
1: talking about that last, uh, last Thursday because it turns out that the group of guys, they get together and they do D&D like on a regular basis and talk about how great it is for character form. And funny thing is all of those people have regular jobs. One's like a geologist, another one works in a school, and they just come to let their hair down. You know, they they'd have zero interest in using it because I, I was all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get voiceover actors in here, help them grow their talent. And uh-uh. I wound up being just regular people, which I think is so cool. You know, the, then they just have such a great time. But so now if you're dealing with like 50 executives, 100 executives, what do you do, like breakout groups or how does that work? Yeah. It just seems like a lot of people.
2: It It can be a lot of people. I find uh, a lot of it is designing the experience by designing some of the room. So if we have like a stadium and there are 50 people, the energy just sort of dissipates. Um, If we have a classroom for 50 people, it's hot and sweaty and it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to strike a middle ground there. But yes, it is a lot of breaking out into groups. breaking out into pairs and then breaking out into those groups of four to six. Um, We have facilitators that are walking around helping each group, coaching them. Uh, And then after they're done with that experience, then we'll come back as a group and talk about how they can apply it to different, different areas of their life. And we find that it's helpful um, that they all have individual experiences with the exercise because they can all say, I took this out of um, the yes and exercise, planning a birthday party, and I plan to apply it to my marriage. And someone else goes, <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> and and then the rest of the workshop, they ha- it sort of opens their mind to where they can apply this work.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something that you would not think.
2: The marriage one is something I heard a couple of days ago that none of our workshops, at least right now, at the time of this recording, <laughs> are to help married people communicate with their spouse better.
1: That's really cool, though. I like that a lot.
2: But I, I, yeah, I met with someone and I said, what did you take away from the workshop? And she said, my relationship with my husband is just so much better. <laughs> That's and amazing. i was i was like very confused
1: <laughs> but now uh, i'm curious so how is she applying it
2: so she said um she would she taught her husband the yes and yes but mentality mm-hmm. uh, and said i think when i don't feel supported it is sometimes because you are using this yes but mentality where uh yes and and yes but we'll say Yes, but uh, is typically, yes, I hear you. I understand what you're saying, but I think that there's a problem with it. And you're not Uh honestly considering it. Whereas yes, and is more, I respect what you're saying and what this idea you've created. And I'm going to try to find a way to make this idea work. And she felt that her husband would flip into the yes, but category with Uh a brand new idea that Mm -hmm. um and yes she's just been teaching that model that we intend for it to be used at work to her family members and it's been going really well
0: that's awesome awesome. i i actually i i live for the yes but and the yes end exercises um because it is one is so negating and one is so affirming and um yeah. I'm now now you've got my mind spinning on like how to use it inside what I'm doing with, with actors specifically. Mm-hmm. Um
1: now the yes button, yes and is it similar to fortunately, unfortunately? That game? Mm-hmm. So when one person is assigned fortunately, the other person's unfortunately. And you have a scenario and then you have to
0: Yeah, come that up one with, puts it in 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 between the two scene mates immediately whereas yes and and yes but they're like two separate exercises yes Mm -hmm. but you go through a whole series of yes but Mm -hmm. we can't because the dog ate my homework Mm -hmm. and then the yes and you're flipping it and it's yes and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then you're affirming something so it's cool
1: that's really great uh, we do another exercise here. You probably heard of it, Nathan. It's called ad game where you get like a group of people together and they have to create the product. They have to create a commercial for it. They have to have a tagline. They have to have a jingle and they have to have a spokesperson. And the, the whole pro- process is collaborative where no, no suggestion is ever knocked down. Everything's accepted so it's like oh yes the product is like i gave them i said oh i'm thinking about frozen peas so they created a product from frozen peas <laughs> and they i won't go into it cuz they got a little dirty with it but um <laughs> they uh, every any any idea anybody has yes great idea great idea and it just builds and builds and builds into this uh so i'm not sure if there's something like that that you guys do but
2: yeah um there are what one thing about all of these improv games is the way I described the plan me a birthday party yes and exercise, there are probably thousands of variations <laughs> of that <laughs> exercise, we do a, a a somewhat somewhat similar variation um, to what you called the ad game. Um, mm-hmm. And we do it by giving them an adjective and a noun, and then they create a new product service initiative, just something new, and then they have to create. Um, create that together, but in ours, typically everyone talks in the pitch, uh-huh. uh, and we also often will switch out the adjectives uh, throughout the exercise. Oh, that's cool! Um, so it, it's sort of it's sort of this lesson on things change. Oftentimes, we have yeah. a great idea, we send it out. And because we weren't talking to our uh, customer, to the user, or even just the other person on the other side of what we're communicating with, we didn't listen to them enough. And so sometimes things change. But as a team, you can go past it.
1: That's And that's great lesson to learn for actors as well with us because sometimes you'll study a script and be all ready to go with the voice and the delivery and then they'll go surprise new script and it's nothing like what you did in the audition
0: and and
1: you know and suddenly you
0: have to shift you have to completely shift gears yeah or even when you're like when you're in session and you show up to your session and and you know you really believe that you're bringing the thing that they want and then they (sighs) want something entirely different and having to be able to take that direction right on the spot with all the eyes and ears listening. And that's like the ultimate just letting go. And I yeah. think that's what the strength of improv is when you teach people. For There's the first level of when you first approach it, you have to let go of yourself. You have to let go of that editor in your head or anything that's even stopping you from participating. Like that's level one of the let go is just to merely get yourself in that free space. And then when you're inside of the experiences, then, the, you know, it's like a layer of let go upon layer of let go. And it's it's awesome.
2: Yeah, I, I think that a lot of this comes back to being more comfortable with the prospect of failure. Um, mm. because I think that whenever I have gotten notes Largely before my improv training and doing a lot of green light improv work, um, I would find that when I got notes as an actor that were the cameras rolling, you know, we have 12 people staring at you, but we want you to do this entirely different. I was nervous because I was afraid that I was going to mess up with everyone watching me and that would ruin my career. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. over. Yeah, it's over. If I miss that one word, (laughs) it's over the whole thing. Um, Yeah, but I I think that there's something to improv to say that when you're on stage, you're in a, quote, high stakes scenario with hundreds of eyeballs staring at you. Um, And you have no idea what you're going to say next. But it's the practice of figuring out how to save yourself and save the team. On a consistent basis that happens dozens of times through an mm. improv show that i find is very helpful when i'm acting outside of improv or in a business context too
1: For so sure. being comfortable with failure and being okay with it and knowing that you can just bounce back
2: yeah trusting yourself that you have the skills to do it
1: right and there, there that means you need confidence yeah, you don't have like, any confidence.
0: It's like also like keeping the the boat, keeping the boat um, buoyant while it's actually sinking. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the boat is sinking. We're not denying that, but we're just gonna keep bailing out right. continuously, and you know, and and change it while while it's actually sinking. And again, so applicable to you know, what, what voice actors need, like in terms of just that opening up, I, I have found in, in working with various types of actors that the voice actors tend to be the most cerebral. Hmm. And I think that's because there's just this immediate connection between the brain and the voice. And like in general, when you're sitting at this mic, and you're not using your whole body, your whole instrument, your all of your vessel, like it can just stay here all day. The loop can just be continuous. Brain mouth, brain mouth, brain mouth, brain mouth. So it just lends itself to be more cerebral and like getting to this point where you're constantly editing, you're editing yourself because it's like a loop. You're hearing it, you think about it. You're hearing it, you think yeah. about it. that's a great point. Yeah. So,
1: Mm. Yeah, voiceover
0: actors should make sure they're standing up.
1: Oh, I highly recommend that. I guess unless you're doing an audiobook or you're doing something that's long form narration, you know, stand, yeah. let the body
0: flow. Let the body flow.
2: I can't <laughs> imagine. I mean, people will say all the time for for monologues or for improv, like, yeah, there's a chair, but you probably shouldn't sit in it like at right now <laughs> um if that's a question like i don't know if i should sit um no. maybe maybe we can use the energy <laughs> and, and stay standing for a bit um yeah i, I find i find that very interesting yeah
1: how, how did you get to the point of you know because you were an actor you're still an actor i assume you still do some yeah performances. I mean, how did you get to the point where you decided to have this business that focused and helped out large groups of normal people?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I started, I saw my first improv show in 2016. And I, once I saw that show, I knew improv was something I wanted to do myself. I think it was that I saw that it seemed that they were all operating as one brain on a stage and they didn't, no one knew what was going to happen next. So that was very exciting to me. So I went out to audition about a week or two later and I did so well. I was laughing, they were laughing. Honestly, I was like, I'm blowing everyone out of the water. I'm so good. <laughs> And so later that night I get the the call that of course is the congratulations, you're in the group call. And <laughs> it seems that I was the only person that thought I did well. So <laughs> I didn't get in. I didn't get into those groups. Oh, (laughs) I I took a step back and I was like, this is something I want to do. How can I do it? So I started getting training. And at mind, mind you, at this point, I would say the majority of the people in these groups, they weren't trained improvisers. They haven't taken their long classes they happened to stumble into it and they were really good at it. Mm. So now me coming back to this audition, now a trained improviser. I was like, this is incredible. Now I'm, you know, I'm the trained one. <laughs> <laughs> so I audition again, exact same thing happens. <laughs> Training <laughs> Did not pay off. <laughs> at, least, at least in that, that one moment, but I kept training kept getting more work in and just doing the improv work and after seven auditions i got in
0: (laughs) wow so i'm gonna give you i know everyone hear that listeners listeners (laughs) you hear that seven auditions
2: yeah and you kept at it so after those seven auditions i realized okay improv is a learnable skill and and i learned that because i realized that it wasn't their fault that i didn't get into the improv groups the first six times (laughs) i just wasn't good enough i didn't deserve to be in there because i couldn't perform at that level of improv yet but through the training it's something that i can develop and i believe anyone can develop Mm. and then the other thing that i realized is that as i improved on stage i improved off stage as well so as i became a better improviser I became a better communicator, better entrepreneur, and a better team member. And that was really the birth of Greenlight Improv. Um oh, wow. realizing that that it's learnable and that it has effect an effect on these other skills. Um and that it wasn't just me, there's been studies on on improv's effect on these things. Um and my friends were experiencing the same thing. So then I I started the company um in 2019 so about three years after initially discovering improv
1: wow that's incredible. great it's i i just find that fascinating it's what a, what a great business concept
2: but, yeah, yeah it it is, it is nice uh to to share that story in the workshops um because it, it just shares that like yeah in a lot of these kinds of We'll call them like low entry, low barrier of entry kind of things. Like a lot of people assume that they can do voiceover because they have a microphone on their phone. And a lot of people (laughs) think that they can start a business because they have an internet connection and you can get started in both of those areas. Right. um, Very simply, but it takes uh it may take a couple rejections and a decent amount of work to be able to stand out uh Mm -hmm. in in the marketplace when there are so many people
0: doing the same thing Mm -hmm. totally absolutely and and you know you you put that key in on your own training and you know obviously Linda and I are going to speak to our students about training, but it's really not from the perspective of the business as much as the perspective of our own experience. I mean, the, the number of classes, you know, I didn't even go, I I went to conservatory schools and then after I finished conservatory (laughs) schools, I went to every single training you could go to weekend long. It never stopped. Yeah. It, 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 it should never stop. Yeah. It's important to continue. Because while you're you know, when you get comfortable in in anything, somebody's behind you learning more.
1: That's scary, Alyssa.
0: (laughs) But it's true. Or it's like in business, somebody's inventing the next thing. Somebody, yes, it's the same foundation of an idea, but they've moved on to the next and you're just sitting in what's working. You have to you have to be ready for the pivot. Push yourself. So, Nathan, you're just you're in Columbus.
2: That's true. Yes.
1: Okay. Ben, and the majority of the stuff you do, like you said, you don't do much online. It's mostly in person.
2: Yeah, there's some online, but most of them are in person. We travel, um but traveling out from Columbus. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. I'm trying cool. to push people into your direction. <laughs> At least I can check out your
0: website. Green. We have a light. lot of people in Ohio. Yeah, that's right, we do. I feel like, you know, in our round robins of where you're from, Ohio is a frequent state.
1: That's true. So greenlightimprov.com, if you're in the Columbus area or willing to drive to Columbus, you can connect with Nathan and be a part of something spectacular.
2: Yeah, or if you want to fly us out or (laughs) have us drive out. (laughs) Yeah, Columbus is actually the the one of the points in the country that it's easiest to get to uh like i think it's 80 percent of the population in like a day's drive something like that don't quote me on that what <laughs> but it, no because there's so many people on the the east coast and you uh-huh. can drive like we could drive to atlanta in one day new mm. York,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Chicago. Yeah. yeah we get a pretty much the eastern half it's wow. a
1: hub yeah it's a hub well, this is great. I love what you're doing here. I'm just, I'm fascinated. But, it, you know, it makes sense. I have five to 200 participants. I have some ex-voiceover students that went back to their regular jobs because they decided to want to do voiceover. And sometimes they'll say to me, can you, and I've done it on a few occasions, can you come down to my office and do improv for about 20 of us? Um, and it's, it's, for me, it's uncomfortable because they don't have a place for it. So we wind up doing it amongst desks, you know, and trying to find a little, carve out a little spot to be a little stage. Um, They have a good time with it, but it is difficult from a facilitator's perspective, which is why I don't do it very often. And I can imagine for you, the logistics is something that, you know, is first and foremost.
2: Yeah, it is. I very rarely have an ideal workshop situation where... Mm. The, work sh- the room is set up perfectly to how we would like it. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the time we're doing university things. And when we do university work, um, there are very often times we're in a lecture hall. Uh, oh. And lecture halls, the chairs don't move. right? <laughs> so, right. yeah, we sort of sprawl out among the chairs. In a lot of office buildings, too, sometimes they have a makeshift event space, maybe common area that they can move some tables. But yeah, it is very commonly in areas with not ideal <laughs> settings, but we improvise. Hey,
1: hey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love it. This was so informative. Thank you, Nathan, for joining us today. Of yeah, truly, I'm very
0: inspired.
1: Yeah. I want to get people to do improv, more improv, help you let go and perform at your peak. Get out of those heads. Get out of those heads. Yeah, totally. But your website, again, is greenlightimprov.com. You should check it out because who knows? Maybe you'll be in the Ohio area and say, I want to go visit Nathan and, and participate, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you again. That wraps up another episode of the VoiceOver Gurus podcast. And uh, just head over to the website, voiceover.guru, for all the info on how to coach with us. Um, and thanks for listening. Have a good day, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the VoiceOver Gurus podcast, real talk about the voiceover industry. Learn more about us and get coaching at voiceover.guru.